Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacevic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome back Rob Kalavorsky. How are you doing, Rob? Hey, James. How are you? It's good to it's good to talk to you. And you know we're all on lockdown now, so so it's fun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a bit of a change to how we do things, but I think you know podcasting will continue on. We'll be able to get some good webinars and podcasts out over this period of time. So excellent. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, we've been scaling up the webinars like James, you'll be joining us. Well, by the time people listen to this, it'll be over, but it'll be hosted as a podcast on my, on my channel. And I think they've been real fun. Like we've had a lot of interactions, global community. So it's, it's been really cool for me to just scale up in this time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Rob, just in case people aren't familiar with you, so you are the creator of Rob's Reliability Project. So I'm sure many people have seen the memes on LinkedIn, the podcast, <laughs> the webinars, all those great things. Um, but although super brief, what can we tell? What can you tell us about yourself for those that may not be familiar with you? Yeah, so obviously Rob's Reliability Project uh, weekly podcast, similar to this one. James, you've been on my show, I think about four times now. So next week's webinar will be number five. Um, I also, yeah, follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn for the memes, for the daily posts. Go to robsreliability.com and sign up for the newsletter that comes out every Monday morning. And in terms of my professional experience, so right now I work as an asset manager at Enbridge. I manage the mechanical assets on you know one of the largest pipelines in the world. Um, before that, I worked as a reliability consultant for five years. And then before that, I worked as a reliability engineer for tech resources. And so I've really seen reliability applied across mostly heavy industries. So like mining, oil and gas, um, manufacturing, but I have dabbled in some of the other areas like shipping or power plants, that type of stuff as well. All right. Excellent. So, you know, what I wanted to get you on here to talk about is... A topic that a lot of people ask about, and it's all around spare parts, right? That's always a hotly debated topic. You know, we never have enough. Finance is always telling me I got to get rid of these things. But what I really wanted to talk about from a spare parts perspective is how do we optimize our spare parts inventory? You know, there's some people who believe we don't need formulas or data. There's others believe that it's only driven by that. Uh, and there's some blended appro- blended approaches. What, but before we dive into all these different ways of doing it, what is spare parts optimization? Yeah, so basically spare parts optimization, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make sure that you're holding the right amount. So what that really means is basically you're trying to minimize the total cost of ownership of your business. So if we're talking about asset management, you're maximizing value. So on one hand, like, let's take this as an example. So James, you know, you have a car, right? Yep. Yeah. So for you, James, you probably have a spare tire in that car, right? 
I believe it's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, go and check. So, so for some people out there, right, if you get a flat tire, you look in the back, you have a spare tire, you can change your tire and drive to wherever you need to go. So your cost of that tire failure is fairly minimal. Now, maybe that's right. You know, hey, we should be holding one spare tire. I have driven some rental vehicles and had a flat tire and I opened the trunk and there was no flat tire in there. So there was a higher cost to that failure in terms of my time and in terms of, you know, we had to call, um, we had to call AAA, you know, they had to come out, they had to tow the vehicle, all that stuff. Some people, maybe you're Jeff Bezos and your time is extremely valuable. It may even be optimal, quote unquote, for him to have a spare car that drives around behind him just in case. So really what you're trying to do here is if you buy too many spare parts, you're spending too much money on holding and purchasing that inventory. And if you buy too few spare parts, you're basically costing yourself too much money when you break down and you have to wait until something arrives. So if James were to hold an extra car that drives him around, it costs him a lot in buying that car and, and servicing that car. And if James doesn't have a spare tire, then you know it costs us that time when we fail it, we're waiting for the tow truck, we have to buy you know extra spare parts, like an extra tire, all that stuff. So basically, you're trying to optimize that so you have total minimum cost. All right, excellent. So... We're really doing this to manage and optimize our total cost. And that involves, you know, how much we have sitting in our storeroom, reducing downtime. It's balancing all those different things, right? It's not just what we hold or preventing downtime. It's looking at all these different factors and figuring out what is best overall, correct? Absolutely. And I think that's a misconception that we see, not necessarily from reliability people, but I have been to some sites where the maintenance manager says, like, you reliability people, you think that reliability means 100% availability. And that's why you over-design everything and you hold so many spare parts and you do all this predictive maintenance and you do all that stuff. In actuality, that's incorrect. Like, in actuality, you know, reliability and asset management, it's about maximizing the value we get from that asset over the life cycle of the facility. And that doesn't necessarily mean 100% uptime. That also doesn't necessarily mean we hold the spare part. Yes, absolutely. Now, spare parts optimization is an important activity. What type of data do we need to do this optimization? Is it just lead times and pricing? What do we need to do this? Yeah, I mean, if you want to go down the road of doing the Monte Carlo simulations and doing it, you know, very quantitatively focused, ideally, you would have the failure data, you'd have the current age and condition of the equipment, you'd have the data that you mentioned. So how much does it cost us to buy it? How long does it take us to get it from? You can even do it from multiple areas. Like I know in availability workbench, you can simulate three different um, warehouses, whether the one is in your plant, it's the vendor or it's the factory. Um, so you, you can have different lead times. You'll have to understand what's the purchasing cost, what's the holding cost. You'll have to understand the downtime cost and then, you know, costs like, like what we talked about before, James, with the, you know, how much does it cost us to actually issue a work order, those types of things. 
Okay, excellent. Now, when we start looking at this, and you kind of mentioned it with the use of software, do we need to go into advanced analytics or statistics to perform these spare parts optimization? Or can we take a simple approach and then as we mature, our approach matures? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend going down the advanced approach if you're just starting out. Um, it really depends how like how far you want to go. You can definitely add value by using some sort of formula like EOQ, uh, economic order quantity, or doing some sort of ABC analysis. Like there's there's some stuff you can do basically in Excel spreadsheets that will add value to your organization. Now. If you have high cost, high lead time components, I would, and you have the data to kind of back that up and the time, you know, to do it, it will pay off to use a Monte Carlo simulator, whether that's Reliasoft, its availability workbench, whatever it is, because you'll be able to really dial that number in. And then, because like the delta between two and three might be very large in your organization. So, it just depends. I wouldn't obviously. I wouldn't recommend that for bolts or for you know small stuff. But it, but uh, if you're using like transformers or you know in my case in previous in my career I did it on um, electric wheel motors where they were 1.2 million dollars a piece, then I would recommend you know going down and doing that advanced analytical approach. All right, excellent. Now we have all these different approaches. What have you seen work well in the past? Is it that very simple approach with one or two people? Is it a cross-functional team? Um, what approaches have you had success with for those that are looking to get into this? Yeah, so for me, what I've done in the past, when I was working in mining, I was able to get savings of about $50 million in annual savings by using the advanced approach. I was, I was able to work with the University of Toronto. I was able to work with my OEMs. I was able to work with my purchasing department and the spare parts group. And we were able to kind of all come together, mine the data. Well, I was mining the data, but we were mining the data. We were simulating the answers. And then we were able to adjust our stocking levels, both at our sites themselves and at the OEM's local sites. There was, I mean, obviously when we we're talking $50 million plus, that's huge victory there. There's huge wins for there. Um, and, you know, like, but, but I mean, we were running a big business, right? Like we were talking about, like I mentioned, the wheel motors cost $1.2 million. The engines we were looking at were about $500,000 a pop. Those types of equipment had downtimes in the $2,000 to $3,000 range. And so that's where you're going to find the value. If you're just doing it on, you know, a thousand dollar pump where the downtime is, you know, a hundred dollars, I wouldn't really go that far. And I would probably use either some sort of min and max formula, an economic order formula, uh, just you know, some basic stuff to really just pound it out quickly. Yeah. Now, when we're looking to do that and get some of those quick wins early on, are there basic formulas? I know you mentioned EOQ. Um, economic order quantity, is, we have that. What other formulas are out there or is that the main one we're using when we're doing this from a quick and dirty, generate some quick win standpoint? Yeah, I mean, economic order quantity is is kind of the most common one that I see out there. And basically, like you can find it in any book or you can Google it, but it's it's annual demand, fixed order cost, and or annual storage cost. 
So basically those, you plug it into the formula um, and then you can calculate it out. That's kind of the most common and it's easy to get. I mean, those costs should be like the annual storage costs. Typically what we use is between 20 and 30% of the cost of the component. The fixed order cost, that's going to be pretty stationary regardless of what the component is. And, you know, typically it's in the, I don't know, 100 to $200 range, depending on your organization. The annual demand is kind of the hard part, right? And that's going to be, like, you're going to need to find that out, whether you use Weibull analysis or you use basically rule of thumb or you go ask some of the old guys. But you should be able to get pretty close with that and, and then you, you have a formula. I mean, you can also do stuff like inventory turns. You can look at service levels. Those are really for stuff that, you know, you're going to be using all the time. Like, I, like if you're using, you know, 20 bolts for each PM, you're, the variance in how much you use over a year is going to be pretty close. And so you could probably just estimate it pretty accurately where if you have these long lead items that fail, you know, once every 10 years, you really need to balance that risk more and you have to do more in-depth analysis. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com. All right, excellent. So depending on the criticality of the spare, the usage of the spares, we might take different approaches. One being a little bit more heavily based in statistics, we might be doing some Monte Carlo analysis, whereas others where it's fairly consistent usage, not over, not crazy lead times or pricing. We just use some of the basic stuff to get us moving. Absolutely. And and there is like a rule about it. It's called ABC analysis. It's basically some sort of Pareto. And they say like the A parts make 80% of all parts, but only account for 20% or less of the value of the inventory. B parts are 25% usage, but are 30% of inventory stock. And then C, per, C parts are 5% of usage, but account for half of the inventory stock. And so really, I mean, at the end of the day, whatever the rules are, you want to add value with the work that you're doing, right? And so if you're trying to use these methods that take a long time because there's a lot of data analysis, there's a lot of number crunching, but you're you're optimizing something that's not that valuable, like your the ROI on your time is very low. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to add the most value as reliability people. So pick high critical equipment, pick things that cost a lot of money, pick things that when they fail, they they cost your company a lot of money, whether that's in downtime, whether that's in safety, whether that's in environment or corporate responsibility, all that, those types of things, and really focus on those. The rest of the stuff, you, it'll shake out however you've done it before. All right, excellent. Now, how often should we be reviewing and optimizing our spare parts? Is this a once a year activity? Is it a couple times a year activity? Does it depend? Um, you know, how often should we be, we be doing this? Yeah, I mean, this one I think depends on on one is like the capacity of work that your organization allows you to do. To be honest, I probably wouldn't do it more than once a year. Now, there is a caveat to that, right? Like as we speak, we're in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic. And a month ago, 
maybe our operating conditions or our operating context was extremely different than we were now. Because a month ago, I was in the office, you know, we were operating full steam, blah, 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 right? And now, you know, things have changed, oil prices dipped, stock prices dipped, uh, you know, we're, we're not sure when we're going to be leaving back to the house and maybe, you know, manufacturing is probably down for some people. And so if the operating context changes significantly, like it has, then maybe we want to take a look again at these, at the like high cost, high value items. But, you know, if things are plugging away how they always have, you probably could get by with, you know, using the same level every couple of years or, you know, every two to three years, something like that. Like it's not, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah. I think, you know, you, you hit the right approach there. There's, you know, there should be some sort of pre-described review, maybe for your critical parts, those types of things on a time basis. But as there's changes that occur to the operating context, operating conditions, um, market demand levels for what we do, I think those should be triggers that also force us to review our min-max levels and, you know, right size for the business. Um, sometimes that may be adding more because we have really poor supply chain stability. Maybe it might be stocking less because we know we're not going to consume nearly as much because we're reducing production. I think, you know, we have to be considerate of those operating contexts in addition to some just random time interval that we set. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more, James. And it's like, it's no different than criticality analysis, right? And you, you kind of mentioned it, right? So you mentioned it with our suppliers. Like, let's say we're running our factory and it's it's a food grade factory. And right now, you know, food is is running out the door. We couldn't produce enough food if we're running full steam. We may have to stock up because what about our suppliers? Like maybe our suppliers decided that with COVID-19, like it's too risky for them to operate. So maybe instead of our lead time being you know, what it used to be was four weeks. Maybe now it's, you know, 25 weeks or 40 weeks. So that really changes how many parts we're going to need. So it's, you know, it's, it's no different than a criticality analysis. Like it's hard to really say, or, you know, like it's hard to really have a specific trigger, but I mean, basically you'll know and you should have a list really at your facility that like things that you need to review when operating context changes in a meaningful way, spare parts, criticality, you know, your, your predictive maintenance program, all that stuff is definitely got to be on that list. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's just good asset management practices right there. Now, what is the one thing you think makes the biggest difference in being successful with PM optimi or spares optimization? Um, is it, getting people on board? Is it having that repeatable process? You know, what's, what makes the biggest difference? Yeah, I'll give you a few things. So the first thing, just like everything in reliability, it's about implementation. So if you run the calculation, you find these differences between what's optimal and what you're holding. That's great. But until you actually close those gaps, you haven't done anything. So you haven't saved any money. You've saved this mythical money. Right. So that's the first thing. The second thing I have is definitely systematize this process. So when I worked at tech and I was doing this work, it was an ad hoc basis. I was the guy who did it. I was the guy who, you know, drove it. And when I left, I don't know what happened. I assume it sort of fell apart. 
So you really have to have a process in place. You have to document it. You have to make it easy. And that's where, you know, if you're going to go to these time-based recalculations, if you've already set up the spreadsheet or you've already set up the Weibull and the, you know, the Monte Carlo simulator, it's real easy to hit the button and to regenerate. Like basically you add in, you know, you, you tweak the current condition and the current age of the equipment, you hit go and you're ready to rock. If you don't do that, it's actually a fair amount of work. And so you got to really systematize it. You have to have a process for it. What spares need to get looked at? How often does that need to happen? What role needs to do that? What training is required for that role? What software is required for that role? You got to document, you got to standardize, and you got to make it part of your business. Yeah. And I think that's a key thing, like everything else in maintenance, reliability, and asset management. It's got to be a process system based. That way, regardless of who's there, it's able to be done, it's repeatable. And we can generate sustainable improvements for the organization. And I know, and I know, James, you've seen it just like I have. Is you you go to these sites and they have great reliability programs because they have a great champion. And you know, you go back six months or a year later, and that champion got promoted, or he got a new job, or he retired, or whatever, and the program's starting to fall apart. And it's because they don't have a sustainable program. They were reliant on that one person to drive it through. And so if you can make it sustainable, that's where you're actually going to change your business in a meaningful way. Absolutely. And unfortunately, I still see too many of those programs driven by that individual. (laughs) Yep. So with that being said, if you had a magic wand, what would you change in this typical spare parts optimization process? If I had a magic wand, it would be beautiful. No, I mean, the big thing, James, for me, in terms of this process is is really what you've seen, I've seen, everybody listening to this call has seen, is it's the data. You know, I don't know, I mean, since I've started working at Enbridge about eight months ago, I've probably looked into, it's got to be over 15,000 work orders. Um, and you're looking for failure data, you're looking for condition data, you're looking for the age of the equipment. And, you know, we're even even some of the stuff that we're trying to find out that was installed, you know, 1950s, 1960s, we don't actually know how old it is. We don't have drawings for it. We don't have, you know, like all that stuff. And I mean, for anything in reliability related, data is is the key. And so if I had a magic wand, making the data easy to get would be ideal. And then once you get that data, the rest of it's real easy, actually, to be honest. It's real easy. You plug it in, you hit go, it generates, and then it's then it becomes a people game like everything else. Like how do you actually implement, how do you actually get this into your CMMS or your ERP? And so then it becomes just what it is, like where your mins and maxes automatically order and all that stuff. But the, the data is the hard part. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely a challenge. Um, even lead times, you think, which would be simple to get, it can be difficult. Um, it's not just the complex data data points. It's even some of the simple ones are not always there. <laughs> There's no such thing as simple data, right? <laughs> no, definitely not. Now, Rob, 
you know, we talked quite a bit about Spares optimization, but what is the one thing you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today to go do, implement, uh, research more? What's that one thing you want them to take away? Yeah, for me, James, I think the one thing I want people to take away from this is it's a little bit bigger than just spare parts. It's look at how you can add value to your company. It's look at those critical components. It's look at those components that when they fail, something big happens, whether that's a safety issue, an environmental issue, a production issue, whatever. Look at those and then critically think about how you can add value to those specific components. Spare parts is one of those ways. It's an easy way to do it if you have the data. If you don't have the data, you may have to go down a different route, whether that's you know, doing some sort of defect elimination or some PDCA or you know, root cause analysis or an FMEA or RCM. But basically, pick something that's high cost, high value, and get after it. Do something. Yeah, I like that. Now, Rob, I want to thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about spares optimization. But before we go, where can people find out more about you, Rob's Reliability Project, um, all these great things that you're doing and putting out there? Where can people find out more? <laughs> they should know me by now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I pre- I mean, first off, James, I really appreciate you having me on. And, and I really appreciate, you know, you coming on my show and you're, you're involved in my webinar as well. And just, you know, I love working with you and, and you bring great service to this community as well. So I just want to say thank you to you too. I appreciate it. I definitely do. It's, uh, you know, I enjoy these podcasts, talking with people like yourself to uh, get, I learn something from everyone I talk to when I do these things. So it's just as much as for me as it is for the wider community. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love it too. And and that's the thing, right? Is is It's all about getting better. And that's the one thing that I've learned the, the longer I've done a podcast, you know, I'm approaching episode 100 you're over 200 and it's the more we get together as as experts the more we learn from each other and the better the community gets as a whole so just uh just we'll we'll get out there a little bit before before i start plugging (laughs) (laughs) so on that note yeah for plugs for me i mean obviously conferences right now they're up in the air so don't don't really i don't have anything in the calendar so don't look for that um but however I am hugely digital. So if you don't yet, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project podcast on your favorite podcast platform, wherever you're listening to this one. I am also on it as well. I know that, you know, James, you're on Ascendo Reliability. So my iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever, it's there. Second thing, go to robsreliability.com and sign up for the newsletter. I put one out every Monday morning. It's got the most recent podcasts in it. It's got my blog in it. It's got special offers from people that are from people and companies that are pitching things. So, you know, definitely check that out too. Lastly, follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn. That's where you'll find, you know, the memes, the daily quotes, the daily tips, and the webinars that I've been hosting. All that stuff will be on there. So definitely follow that and, you know, stay tuned. You can always, you know, hit me comments or send me LinkedIn messages. I I reply to everybody. So definitely do that. And yeah, if you have any questions or comments or anything like that, you can either go to robsreliability.com and fill out one of the contact us pages, or you can send me an email, robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer any questions 
um, if you're looking to advertise on a podcast or you're looking to advertise on, you know, some of my content, definitely hit me up there as well. All right. Excellent. And we will make sure to put links to all those in the show notes. So you guys, so people can easily reach out to you, find these great resources that you continue to put out there. So once again, Rob, I want to thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about spare parts optimization. It's one of those topics that's near and dear to my heart and lots of people are asking questions about it. So thanks for sharing your knowledge and expertise on the topic. No, I really appreciate it, James. And I, I mean, I have gotten a lot of questions myself on on spare parts over the years. And I think, you know, it's definitely a value add and it's also an easy win, to be honest. Like, you, it's, I mean, it takes a fair amount of data digging, but you can get significant wins fairly quickly. And so it's definitely something that people should be, like once you're done listening to this, like start thinking about which which components you want to look at at your organization. Yep, absolutely. Well, Rob, thanks again. Thanks, James. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.